0: to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I got so much stuff here that I want to talk to you about and um, <laughs> I don't know where to start. So I do think yesterday the testimony of Michael Cohen will be one of those Historic moments, it will not quite John Dean esque, but I there was a guy sitting there on Capitol Hill and uh, frankly, uh, quite clearly uh, saying that he had full knowledge that the President of the United States uh, committed a criminal act. Uh, Uh, or two, or three, or four, or five, maybe a few thousand, who knows. Uh, Unbelievable. There were moments that were memorable. I can give you my list, I think. I want to say that... uh, I'm a great fan of Elijah Cummings now. I thought he was masterful in his handling of what could have been an extraordinarily volatile session. I was taken by his humanity more than anything. Um, And his closing statement. Now here is a a man who went into what he knew would be this huge story with millions of eyes on him and potential uh, history being made. And I don't know many people who would not have written down um, their closing remarks, knowing that that might be something that is, again, potentially historic, wanting to say the right thing, get it right. And I was blown away by the fact that he hadn't written anything down, or if he did, he threw it away. And um, trusted himself to speak literally from his heart, not not as much from his head, but from his heart. And it was very moving. I was, in, I was in tears. Michael Cohen was in tears. I am quite sure that anu- I w- Michael Cohen and I were not alone, and I believe Cummings himself was in tears or close. if you have not seen it it was there was an eloquence to it yet you know part of me always wants <coughs> in those big moments to have something written down so that you say exactly what you want to say but there was somehow more power in the fact that he just it was a plea it was a prayer it was It was one of those moments where you see a true patriot, where you see somebody who cares mightily about his country and and sees the jeopardy that it's in. i I found him amazing. I thought the Republicans were appalling, you know why would you think I wouldn't, Um, they mounted no defense that I ever heard of any of the accusations that Cohen was making about Trump. There was very little pushback. All they had, the only card they had was that Cohen was going to jail for lying. So, Why should we believe a word you're saying now? That's all they had. And they used it as a cudgel at times, making themselves look really awful, I thought. There was one great exchange where some jerk congressperson said to Cohen, you call Mr. Trump a cheat in your testimony. What do you call yourself? And Cohen said, a fool. That was like Shakespearean, I thought, a fool. And in that regard Cohen on two occasions I think once in his closing statement and then in, um, at w- one point in a back and forth, he, he said uh, something to the effect of, hey, look, to the one of the Republicans who was desperately trying to spin things so that Trump didn't look so bad, so it was all just this lying Michael Cohen, And Cohen said something to the effect, look, I've been where you are. You're doing what I've done for the last 10 years. You're trying to fix things for him. And you're going to, he warned people, I'm warning you, it doesn't end well (laughs) trying to fix things for this con man. That was some uh, pretty riveting stuff. Uh, Milton <laughs> has sent me. Uh, oh, but it's a YouTube of his closing statement. Thank you. I, I'm not going to play it because I I don't know that we have we have time. I refer it to you. It's on YouTube. Um. I don't know uh, what else I'm trying to think um, it, w- it was interesting seeing some of the um, Congress people especially some of the newer Democrats who had to wait all day to get their five minutes of questioning it um, and there are some impressive women of color Impressive. And speaking of women of color, there was of course that unbelievable moment where a Republican, a uh, Senator, Mark, uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, um, brought in a, a black woman who works in HUD and has worked with the Trump family and in his administration, and had her like stand behind him. As an example of a black person who adores Donald Trump and doesn't and says he's not a racist, and so there was to counter Cohen saying he was a, a, a racist, he had this black woman <laughs> standing there. He's just standing there. Didn't say boo. Standing there as a prop. They had lots of props. They had one one guy had a actually had a poster that said liar liar pants on fire. Yeah, And there was one name that kept coming up and this is the guy whose testimony I want to hear and I'm sure I will because every time Cohen was asked, how can you, who would be able to corroborate what you were saying uh, about Trump doing this and Trump doing that and money being exchanged here or these funds being up, uh, put there. And the answer was always the same. Weisselberg, Weiselberg, We must have heard that name 20,000 times, Alan Weisselberg. So that is the CFO of Trump's company. So that is the guy that knows everything and uh, I don't know what he'll be allowed to talk about in public testimony, but I want to hear that. And I know somebody gave him immunity or some limited immunity, so uh, so he would be inclined to uh, share as uh, share all. Um, and 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 the one takeaway is that we were looking at Michael Cohen, who's going to be going to jail now for years. He appeared in many ways a broken man. He's going to jail, and he's going to jail in part for a crime that he says Alan Weisselberg and President Trump committed with him. Right? Yeah. This is the campaign finance. That's one of the reasons he's going to jail. So how can just that, only that guy goes to jail for that crime? What about the others who took part in that specific crime? And Weiselberg is one of them, and he'll have to acknowledge that in testimony, and that'll be two people directly involved who will directly implicate the President of the United States in a crime. Oh, anyway, I thought it was like, and then there's the, you know, at one point, I forgot who said, somebody said, I mean, this is hearing about how Trump operates. I mean, you just feel like, you feel like you've been slimed, you do. This guy is, he makes con men look good. I mean, that's too good a term for him. He is such a repulsive sleaze operator. And if he avoids jail, I will, I'll be stunned. Unless there's unless he you know manages to the southern district in New York is going to get him other courts are going to get him now that his financials are coming out and speaking of the impressive people we sort of saw in action at that hearing I was truly impressed and I know I wasn't alone by one of the last questioners, by virtue of her lack of seniority, and that was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was, I thought, uh, one of the best, if not the best, questioner, person who used her five minutes not to grandstand, as many did, not to grandstand, but rather to ask penetrating questions that actually moved things further. She was focusing on his tax returns, and I found it really riveting, and her command of the moment impressive as hell. I can see why the Republicans are afraid of her. Man, she was impressive. No, my sense is that Donald Trump will go down with, uh, they'll get him like they've gotten, uh, like the feds get, um, you know, other gangsters and racketeers. He'll go down because of the RICO laws. There's, there's no doubt. And, um, Somebody said, and I thought, well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, the president is really running a racket. And he is a racketeer. And it's the Racketeering Act, RICO, that's going to take him down. Now, granted, that'll be after he leaves the protective confines of the White House. But if he avoids jail, once he does, Justice will not have been served. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm okay. Hi, Len. Hi.
2: Um, did you happen to see that one guy? I don't know what his name was. He had a well, I don't know, but he said he came to Washington to fix it. And I'm kept thinking to myself, yeah, you fixed it. The fix is in. It's fixed towards the rich. But the bastard, they had the House and the Senate, so what was he fixing? They were control of the House and Senate. And then he was saying this spectacle we're today, and what the hell does he think going on in the White House? These, I, You know, when the Republicans go so low, you don't think he'd go any lower, but when did they go low? It was just unbelievable, the, and that Jordan Oh, worthy shit of humans. I can't stand the man. Oh. What's with
1: him? Does he have like some kind of brand like Fetterman and that he doesn't ever wear? Uh, uh, you know, he's always in shirt sleeves. It's like his, his brand. What a vile character. I could see coming, oh. coming sometimes when they'd end up in a two shot. This is the ranking Republican member of the committee. who And, and oh, man, he was disgusting.
2: Yeah, it was hard to take watching yeah, him. I had to mute it every once in a while. Yeah. I just, but Cummings is always great. He's, I, I love that guy. He's great, and he just did a great job. But The rest of them, they just looked like slime balls. It was just unbelievable. Now the Democrats looked strong. I thought so.
3: Well, I think they right. did. There's
2: something.
1: I I thought so generally too. Hey, thanks for thanks for. <laughs> I agree with you. Thank you. Okay. Thank okay, you. Bye. 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 Um oh and in that in that line little tony writes there's nothing like a congressional hearing to make me despise the republicans even more than i already do especially jim jordan what an awful person they had no cards to play and you know Um, Oh, here is the direct... I'm sorry, I'm looking at stuff I tweeted myself. Uh, This is Cohen's remark that I paraphrased. I'm responsible... He's talking to one of the Republicans who's trying to nail him. I'm responsible for your silliness because I did the same thing you're doing now for 10 years. I protected Mr. Trump. I can only warn people, the more people that follow Mr. Trump, he always says Mr. Trump, as I did, blindly, are going to suffer the same consequences that I'm suffering. Try to clean up his messes, do his dirty work, shield him, and you'll go down. It was like, you know, a voice from, I I just, wow. (laughs) I thought it was pretty riveting uh, TV. Somebody else summed up the hearing uh, thusly uh, for people like us. We would say, um, wow, that showed that the president, that whole hearing showed the president may have, in fact, committed treason, (laughs) committed bank fraud, committed tax fraud, committed charity fraud, we already know that. He might have even laundered money for Russian mobsters and, uh, and pretty sure he committed campaign finance violations. That's what we got out. Um, that's what they were focused on, the Democrats on the committee. The Republicans, meanwhile, seem to be focused on the fact that Michael Cohen might get a book deal. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I, I you, you know, God knows. I mean, you don't need to hear me yap 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 about it when there's so much yapping going on and from people. I have to admit I was not expecting the climax of the days and nights news to be Trump folding <laughs> in Hanoi and uh flying back with his tail between his legs. What was that all about? I guess he just went so that he could again tell us that he has the utmost respect for this uh, vile, murderous uh, son of a bitch uh, from North Korea. And much like, exactly like he stood there with Putin, saying he believed, uh, he believed when Putin said he didn't do anything, I take him at his word, said the president. And he takes... Kim Jong-un's word, that he didn't know anything about Otto Wambier. Is that, is that the poor dead young man's name? So he absolved uh, uh, of, uh of that death. What is it with him that, okay, well, never mind, okay. Incredible. We are in for a year from hell. I just <laughs> want to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, Rob just says not one of the Republicans questioned Trump's actions in any way. That is true. And it was stunning. Stunning. Let me get into some other things if if I might. Oh, and I th- oh no, th- another thought I had. So talk about a total miscalculation, talk about wasted money and all that. Think of all the uh, the money spent, all the networks and media that went with Trump to Hanoi. And yesterday I happened to uh, be I tend to watch NBC nightly news, if I watch any, because Jeopardy! comes on right after it. And so I, I I did have it on. I wanted to see what they would do with this big news day, knowing that their anchor, Lester Holt, was in Hanoi, where the big story supposedly was, but in fact wasn't. And um, a good third of the f- of the top of their of the, their newscast was Lester Holt standing in Hanoi throwing it back to <laughs> Washington um, to cover Michael Cohen, not the president. So as I was saying yesterday, this is more than anything something that would make Trump insane. That he was upstaged. By his lackey, Michael Cohen. Um, and so there's Lester Holt in Hanoi. I'm sure, you know, if you could see the bubble of what he's thinking, his head is up. You know, that's a long flight. There's a long flight back. There's no news. If I'd been there, I'd be with the bigger story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're all coming back now. There was no reason to go, as it turns out, other than to see, again, how hapless the president of the United States is. Um, oh, and, and something that I've been noting forever, if you do watch the news, whether cable or network, Every break introduces you to another horrible affliction you didn't even know existed, and some pharmaceutical that will allay it in in some way. Um, And it's nothing but these drug commercials, one after the other, and they all look the same. There are always people who apparently are suffering sometimes from fatal diseases and or horrific chronic illnesses. And I've never seen such a happy bunch of human beings in my life. I mean, they are always, they are living life. They are at the market. They're riding their bikes. They're beautiful. And and all it ever is is a commercial about some horrible affliction <laughs> and a pill that you can take for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars, probably, which may cause premature death, you know, anaphylactic shock, who knows what, this, that, and the other thing. (laughs) Don't take it if you're taking these things, too, and, you know, all these words. And so clearly, the demographic, there are no young people watching news because marketers... Do a lot of research to find out who they're, how they get to their demographic. the 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 market for those drug ads are old people, old sick people. So I guess that's. I just want to tell you that if, like me, on occasion you watch the news, you are, you are part of a demographic that is viewed as old and sick. Okay. so the joys of traveling I, I you know i i just traveled from the west coast uh, back here to pittsburgh and there and back and you know that maybe with a stop in between is you know that's like 5 hours in the air about um and i just find that ma i i'm i am not a good traveler i just get i mean i want to i can't stand enforced being stuck in that tube Um, so I'm, I'm not a good traveler and I'm always anxious when I travel and I, not because I'm, I worry that the plane's going to fall out of the sky or anything like that. I'm always anxious because I know I'm in for an unpleasant experience, (laughs) you know the airport's unpleasant, this is unpleasant, everything's unpleasant, and I just, you know, you don't look forward to it. And also, knowing you're in that tube, and there's always people hacking and coughing and sneezing around you, and you're thinking, oh, jeez, I'm going to die, I'm going to get the flu. So, that's you wouldn't want to travel with me. But, because I was out in California with my sister, um we had to make a stop at um I forgot what this place was called but it was you know the pot store so um it, it's pretty amazing all the, I I mean I think I talked about it last year when I first went so this time I bought a bunch of stuff <laughs> and um you buy so it comes in a box about like this and there's a box and in the box in plastic and stuff, is a cylinder filled with this amber colored oil, which is actually marijuana, having been reduced to that or something. And then you have a vape that you stick it in, and that's how you smoke it. You can also get little jars, clear little jars with actual buds, big hunks of marijuana in them and there's various kinds so they say would you like a mellow kind of feeling or would you like a creative you know like kind of feeling would you like would you like pineapple flavor or would you like this you know it's so i i must admit i i got three things and then i thought now it's legal here But it ain't legal in Pennsylvania, so how do I how do I get this through TSA? How do I what's the smart way to do this? My sister, who's done this many times, (laughs) said, "Just do this, do that. You see, you can pack it in your you're checking a bag. Put it in there. (laughs) Just put it in. Now a lot of people would have. I just put it in my bag. I put I put them in different parts of my bag, but they weren't much covered up. And I was a little nervous, but then I thought, I'd check the bag. So anyway, when I get back to Pittsburgh and I open my bag, this is what was lying on top of my clothes and pot. (laughs) And it says, Transportation Security Administration notice of baggage inspection and my blood ran cold. I thought oh my god they opened my bag and looked through it. And so I went pawing through my bag and pulled out the glass jar of pot which was still there pulled out another vial of pot it, that was still, it was all still there. They were simply, then I read further, to protect you and your fellow passengers, the TSA is required by law to inspect all checked baggage. As part of this process, some bags are opened and physically inspected. Your bag was among those. Your bag and its contents during the inspection may have been searched for prohibited items. At the completion of the inspection, the contents were returned to your bag. So, I just want to say, I mean, I want to thank whoever on the TSA looked at my bag because they could have, as a person, confiscated my pot, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah probably. Anyway, just wanted to let you know that if you're traveling um, back from a state that has um, legal marijuana, TSA doesn't give a shit. (laughs) That's the lesson. TSA doesn't give. They're looking for stuff that brings planes down. They're looking for explosives they are not looking, or weapons, they are not looking for my pot. So that's something I learned and I wanted to pass that information on to you. Okay. Oh, God. So, oh, God. You know what, I got a, I got my hair cut yesterday. I mean, just sort of trimmed. I hadn't had a cut in years. And the guy put it in what's called a French braid. And I slept on it last night. And I thought I secured it. <laughs> and I, I just happened to touch my hair in the back. And it is totally here. I'll show you the disaster that's happening back there. It's, it's totally gone. What happened to it? It's I got pins and stuff coming out of my hair. I damn look at and it's all screwed up okay i just want to say i'm having some difficulties
4: uh we have a caller hello yeah i don't know why i'm getting the feed so late i wanted to comment on the check bags but you're talking about your beautiful hairpins <laughs>
1: uh, go yeah, go ahead to the check
4: bags what Lynn, yeah. we have to make this clear to people. what What is going on with what happened to you? It's with checked bags. It's not like when you walk through and they're like, oh, you can't have water. Oh, you can't no. have a shampoo right. or toothpaste. Right. No, these are checked bags. And I get that all the time. And, okay, maybe you I, you have your suspicions about why they checked yours. But my uh, baggage usually, it's like a Delcy, you know, one of those soft um it's a hard, kind of soft, uh, zip-up bag. But I have, like, two microphones in there because I don't ever like to use any microphones from any clubs because uh, who knows who hawkered on those things. They're so germy. I always have a couple tambourines in case one breaks. I always have two sets of maracas in case they break. I always, I play every night. We play four different keys of harmonics, so I have two sets of those. So all these things, when they X-ray my bag, looks like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what the hell is this? Oh, it's just two microphones. What the hell is this? Two tambourines. A, 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 rock is a, a Harmonic. They don't know what the hell it is. But then uh, uh, I, I'm sure you know the stories of, okay, uh, bands always have writers. Here's what you want in your uh, dressing room. Water, oh, yeah. tea, pediolite, tequila, whatever. What are yours? But people don't know. There's another funny thing that promoters do. And this promoter years ago – well, a funny thing promoters do is they'll just put something added in there that you didn't ask for, just, like, as a kind of, like, funny joke. So years ago, this promoter um, left in my dressing room this uh, rubber chicken. I don't know if people can picture it. Like, it's like a yellow rubber chicken yeah. with, you know, like yeah. a red ear. And he's right here, his senior pollo. <laughs> so if you squeeze it, it makes that noise, right? And so I adopted Senor Pollo as kind of our uh, 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 mascot. <laughs> and so every Senor place Pollo we went, was as soon the... as I finished packing. <laughs> yeah. Senor Pollo, it's, uh, yeah. Mr. Chicken, Chicken yeah. in Espanol. Yeah. Senor uh, Pollo. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Chicken, I just put him on stage with us everywhere we <laughs> went. I think <laughs> since like 2000, I think. Senor Pollo is very old, but he's still the same one. And he still has a little bit of breath. He has more breath left in in him than um, uh, Bernie Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, Wolf Blitzer. (laughs) Actually, Senor Boyo actually sounds very much like Wolf Wolf Blitzer. Blitzer. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, though. Somehow I'm flagged now, and almost every time we travel, I always get one of those things, those little forms that you got on the top of my Plugins. um everything that's packed but now nothing you can see they don't even touch anything they never even lift up any anything and i'm a total anal retentive hacker you know everything's like folded up and there's this t-shirt and blah, 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 blah. I'm really tight so i can tell they haven't touched anything all they do is like open it up it's... Which you know you're not allowed to lock your suitcases anymore, so I just use like a twisty tie. Yeah. So they open up the zipper, and then they see Senior Poyo laying there, <laughs> and then they put the form right on top of him, <laughs> like it's like it's like it's just obit. And I have so many pictures of these. I'm I sent you one, <laughs> and that was an early one when they ripped it up. But I have so many pictures of these. Every time And I open my suitcase, and there's just the form. On Senor Pollo's stomach. And they're like, okay, we already know what's in here. There's some microphones and tambourines. It's funny. It is so weird, though. I think maybe they just pick up Senor Pollo and squeeze him to make <laughs> sure he's not full of heroin. Or uh, some sort of exotic snake I'm trying to uh, yeah, smuggle, smuggle into over the, the border. <laughs> funny stuff. Isn't it weird though? So wait, so you got yours and what did you think when you opened? Did it did you notice whether anyone was going through your stuff or you just saw the form?
1: I saw the form and my blood ran cold. And 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 then mm-hmm. um uh I started yeah, ransacking my my luggage to see if the stuff was there and it still was and I agree with you, it didn't really, I mean if they look through my stuff, I'm not an anal retentive like you in packing, but it <laughs> it didn't appear to be you know, gone through I, so but what they probably do is huh. they lift up the top and just throw one of these things in and put it back down, do you think?
4: Well yeah. they don't care oh, about I the pot look, I definitely think since uh, fucking W. Bush and after um, uh, 9/11, never forget. They t- t- instead of having actual people that knew what they were doing at the TSA, well, it wasn't even called the TSA then. They turned it into the TSA, and right. that's a lot of the Democrats' fault too. They're like, oh, let's just turn it over to the government instead of having these people that are actually known and know what they were doing. And now it's just turned into a total joke. Seems I, to I think they just randomly pick out uh, things to x ray. They randomly pick out people to pat down. And they totally have me on a list because they know all they're going to do is open up and up the thing and see, oh, it's in your boy. Okay, put the thing on him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so fucking. Oh, nuts. I love it! I love it. So that's why I'm going to get into the business of trying to smuggle exotic snakes into this country from <laughs> somewhere. I
1: yeah, you might as well. If you're going to be on the watch list, you might as well, you know, engage in some nefarious activities. Well, give my best to Senior Pollo. He's uh, entertained. Okay. He's entertained uh, us all, Michael.
4: Thank you. <laughs> he's what he's he's our he's our good luck charm. i'm our, sure he is our, uh, mascot i know i will be safe wherever i fly as long as uh he's in my uh checked on baggage
0: <laughs> all right you
4: bye. all right
1: love you lynn love See you later. too bye uh mike michael's band by the way if you don't know is the cynics and um they they spend most of their time uh in europe um and Laura says, I love your callers. They're so interesting. The musician had me chuckling. His TSA stories are so funny. Yes, they were. And um, Laura also says, and I wondered why so many drug commercials <laughs> were on the news, and now I know. I keep telling people I'm old, and they tell me I'm not. Well, now I have proof, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that about you can't lock your... Ba- I never lock my bags anyway, but I guess that makes sense because they do have to get in. So, um, okay. Oh, um, I was going to... T- <laughs> show's gotten away from me. Um, I'm embarrassed that I can't pronounce his name properly, but this is a guy who many of you probably do know the pronunciation is it karamu brown or caramel Moo brown anyway i'm gonna say i'm gonna go for karamu brown he um is the emmy on the emmy emmy <laughs> he's on the emmy nominated netflix reboot of queer eye which see i don't watch so i and um he's uh he's the television host on that and um he is openly gay he is a black man he is a father he's a psychotherapist he does all this stuff and then i think he's sort of like a motivational kind of a speaker and that's what he's going to be doing on uh, march 1st is that friday march 1st at the august wilson uh, cultural center Uh, the focus will be, uh, I guess he's speaking and he's calling it Know Thyself, Using Your Uniqueness to Create Success. So if you like that kind of thing, not for me, this one's not for me, Karamu Brown, March 1st, I mean, it shows the, they don't miss anything never assume that what's going on at the August Wilson Center is like uh, I don't know because it's August Wilson like a play it could be and it could be a lecture and it could be um, some extraordinary singer or jazz band or it's just a a cultural center and I think it's underutilized so I want you guys to get over there Um, okay just saying. We have another caller. Hello, caller.
0: Hi, Lynn. It's uh, Ray in Lawrenceville. How are you?
1: I'm fine, Ray. How are you doing?
0: Hey, good, good. I, I, I was listening. It's a funny, those, those TSA bag checks, I, I get those occasionally as well. Uh, I really think they just are required to open up, you know, eight an hour, and they just slap them open and slap them closed just I complete I've a yeah. form. Yeah. But I Erin, mean, tell me, why don't you have your medical marijuana card here in PA?
1: Because 'Cause I'm too lazy. And I oh, I'm too lazy and I can i I've gotten marijuana all my life, so I can I'm just gonna keep getting it like I always got it. Um and you know, and also I have to tell you, I've sampled some I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as the stuff I get on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> I don't.
0: No, well, I haven't found that. I haven't what? found that. I I I sort of just wanted to stop dealing with the seedier side of it um, because I'm I'm old enough that I don't need to wait for somebody in a bar or or any such things. You know. Oh, I'm
1: still um, meeting people behind buildings. Yeah, right. But I mean. Oh no. No, yeah. I got no. I totally no. I mean, the people who deal the drugs often now. I mean, our respectable human beings who have a side gig, yeah, doing that, right?
0: Sure, but if you get your medical marijuana card, and then you are in possession of the stuff you bought from your oh. you know, your cousins, you know. Yeah. Like, that, uh, now there's no worry, right? Okay,
1: but I've never worried. <laughs> I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not a black ma- I'm not a young black man. See? I never but, but worried. Mean, I,
0: you and I both... Yeah, You and I both could probably stand in downtown Pittsburgh and light a pipe up, and because of who we look like, right. no one's going to bother us, right?
1: I have lit a pipe up, as you say, at PNC Park. Sure. Public. Yes. I have yeah. done it at the Duquesne Club.
0: <laughs> okay you got me there i've not done that
1: <laughs> that's my favorite that's my fa- in
0: the bathroom with with, uh, with mr green were you there with uh your your buddy green
1: no i was there no it was not <laughs> when i was there i was actually at some of uh, unbelievable boring event and i was losing my mind and so i ran off to the bathroom and then thought hey it'd be a riot to actually smoke pot. <laughs> <laughs> oh i just did it because i'm a, that's I'm a risk taker with when it comes to pot. I've and always that's, been.
0: That's, yeah. That case was truly medicinal. You needed that. You know? Yes,
1: right. It was medicinal. Yeah. I was anxious and yeah. bored out of my mind, and yeah. So I'm sure we're appalling some people here, but. Um,
0: well, you know, but but let me get that message out. The reason why I was calling was that the process is painless. It does cost you uh, an initial two hundred and fifty dollars and then fifty dollars a year afterwards. But the more people who go from black market to to you know uh, legitimate, the quicker they will legitimize it for uh, recreational use. The more people piling on, it creates a way. So I encourage anyone who even considered it.
4: Yeah,
1: but you have to have, right to have a – the don't mark. they have a – the Pennsylvania law is you have to have a specific kind of uh, medical issue.
0: Oh, you walk in with a limp, they're giving you the card. Trust me. The doctor the doctor who I saw didn't even have a stethoscope. He had a, he had a laptop. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when you go to one of these places <clears throat> that they've set up, like there's one downtown, there's a doctor there? Or they send you off? No, oh,
0: here's street. what ha- – here's how – I'll give you a quick – Okay. Because I know you've got other subjects. Let's say just down the strip di- district, there's a place called CY. they're a disp- dispensary. Right. And next to the dispensary is an information center. You just walk in the information center, and someone, a pleasant young person, will enter you into the database and make an appointment with, with a, uh, a registered doctor. All right? Mm-hmm. For free. Nothing, no money yet. You go to the doctor, and he checks your records and says, yes. I'll go on the same database and authorize you. Then you give him $200. You go home, go on the database, and now you're able to give the state $50. At that point, it's all done. They ship you a card, and in three days you have your card. Now you go back down to the dispensary, which is next door to the information center, right. and buy what you want.
1: You really can buy what you want. They don't steer you in certain. What is your affliction? You should have this. Blah, you blah, can blah, do blah. it online.
0: You you can literally do it online. Okay. I want this much of that, this much of that, and then walk in and pick it up and walk out.
1: And you think quality. I'm co-
0: afraid it's a bit of a sham, you know? But yeah, you know,
1: you think the quality really is. Everybody's hard. sitting
0: around there, kind of coughing and limping, pretending to be sick, and, <laughs> and you know, why do you do this?
1: <laughs> 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 i have a number of friends uh yeah that have the card um sure yeah and there's no um can you i mean is it like a prescription though in that you can't order 20 tons of it right you have to just do one well
0: they have a they have an ungodly limit it's like three ounces a month or something like that and if you're buying it in in the liquid forms as you were talking about like the vaporizing they measure the weight to such small milligrams uh it's i i can't imagine using that much yeah
1: well that's you ray speak for yourself
0: Uh (laughs) anyway well okay all of
1: the old pockets thank you thank you all
0: right well yes yeah love the
1: show talk to you soon goodbye thank you bye bye uh I mean, clearly, it's going to be legalized for recreational use um, soon, and it's economics that are going to drive it. It is insane to pass up the tax dollars. Um, uh, Milton, oh, yes, Milton says the best pot story is when you, yeah, I got busted at the Hillary Clinton rally. And then Milton says, as a black man, that still amazes me. Yeah, that's why I say, I'm an old white lady, and even when I was a young white lady, I never really concerned myself. I maybe (laughs) should have, but that's white privilege. That is white and gender in that regard privilege, I think. I don't know. I mean, I do know that. But, um, yeah, I got busted by the city cops and and, uh, and the uh, Secret Service. They confiscated my stuff, too. And I was not nervous at all. That's maybe Milton the thing that – so they're going through my purse. I think, oh, shit. I mean, I, I knew that I was done. Um, but I wasn't in any way nervous. Like, I, I didn't see myself being handcuffed and, you know, taken to jail or beaten up or anything like that. I thought the worst that was going to happen is they'd, yeah, take my pot and tell me to go home. And they took my pot and let me into the the boring Hillary Clinton thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And as long as there are all these black men wasting away in our jails for doing nothing more than what I've done all my life, Ray's done, apparently, all his life, my sister, all us white folks with no concerns at all, living our lives, living our lives. It's obscene. I have a caller. Okay. Hello, caller. Hello. Oh, hello. Yes.
3: The um thing that was wasn't even over yet. You know, the one that's telling me you can get in, you'll be on the host after repeat. Oh, oh. That even, <laughs> I don't. Know. That, that wasn't even done yet, and I'm on on the air uh, We are. Okay. Um, I don't fly that often. In, in fact, very rarely you know, but uh, a couple of years ago, on my way to Florida for one of those destination weddings my friend was having, and I told her, because, you know, I think the last time I was on a plane was probably in 2001, (laughs) back at, you know, because I can remember tiptoeing through the uh, x-ray machine, like, I was, like, looking really guilty, like, tiptoeing slowly (laughs) like a cartoon, and uh, so, uh, but I told her, I said, oh, man, I, hate to do this but i'm going to get stopped and i'm going to get the super frisk right she goes why i said because i look arab oh you don't look arab i said you haven't seen enough arabs i had a beard at the time you haven't seen enough arabs but sure enough you know i get pulled aside and i get the super frisk you know the whole whole thing you know i'm expecting it so i'm not offended i'm not worried about it i know what's going to happen but the funny thing is that's going from pittsburgh to florida from florida to pittsburgh standing in the long, long line. It's weaving back and forth like an accordion. And I turned to one of the TSA people. I went, is that one open? I'm probably like, I don't know, 30 people deep. I said, is that one open? She says, yes. And I just walked over to it. And people were like looking at me. I'm like, you freaking lemmings. <laughs> there, was a, there was three of these things, and everybody was going to these two. And the TSA, I guess she's getting a kick out of it. I went, is that one open? I moonwalked into that one. It was, I took off <laughs> my shoes and moonwalked <laughs> <laughs> to put my bag down, and people were like looking at me. You, you lemmings. <laughs> and I think that's one of those things from not knowing what's going on. You know what I mean? How I'm supposed to act? Yeah. I, I looked over there and I went. It actually, ah, that's
4: helped. Easy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But I, and I was smart enough. I checked every bag. I didn't take anything on the plane. I took my uh, laptop on the plane and didn't even listen to it. I had a good conversation actually for those couple of hours. You know, I said, I'm not taking anything on the plane. Everything's going underneath. And I don't want them to have to, like, rip, you know, my bags open to make sure I'm not a terrorist. <laughs> so I just put everything down. It was only a couple hours. Did no overhead anything, you know.
4: That is not the way to mother. go. I mean,
3: that is really yeah. nice
1: not to have to worry about all that crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I...
3: yeah. So.
4: Okay. That's my
3: that's my airplane story. I'll call you another fifteen years to tell you another one. Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. Bye.
1: All right. Bye. Bye. I wish I traveled by air that that uh seldomly. What's the word I was looking for there? Rarely. Um I have uh Catherine has sent me this uh a Langston Hughes uh poem that is called Minstrel Man. And I- I she said that uh, she was in a uh, a group, uh, a program for Black History Month, and, and they were singing um, songs. And w- I guess somebody put this Langston Hughes poem to uh, music. And she says, after all this stuff about blackface, I thought you'd be interested in this beautiful poem from a black man's perspective. So here is Langston Hughes, Minstrel Man. It's very short. Because my mouth is wide with laughter and my throat is deep with song, you do not think I suffer after I have held my pain so long. Because my mouth is wide with laughter, you do not hear my inner cry. Because my feet are gay with dancing, you do not know I die. You do not know I die. Oh dear, I'm sorry, I didn't need to sigh in your ear. Uh, you might have missed this given all the news that's thrown everything else out. Um, two little items I think mm-hmm. that we can close things out with. Um, you know Rahm Emanuel is, is the mayor of Chicago, but he's not going to be for much longer. And uh, good riddance to him. I don't think anybody particularly enjoyed his tenure, including him. Um, and so uh, Tuesday, there was a, uh election. And there were like, it, it looked like the Democratic uh, presidential primary coming up because there were like 5,000 people <laughs> on the ballot. It was wide open. Actually, there were 14. There were 14 candidates for mayor, and uh, the results were uh, that the two top vote-getters will face each other in a runoff uh, election in, in, in April. And uh, in, if you didn't hear, the two, uh, the one certainty is that the next mayor of Chicago will be a black woman because the two top vote-getters were both black women. And so that'll be a first. There has been a woman mayor of Chicago before, um, back in the days, I think the 80s or something, and um, Jane, I'm blanking on her name, Burns, right? Not Jane Burns, that's a friend of mine. Jane somebody. Or who the hell knows? Who cares? Anyway, um, these two women, though, I just want to point out, um, are both progressives. One has never held elective office ever. So that's unusual. And she is the top vote getter. Jane Byrne. It is Jane Byrne. Well, I have a friend, Jane Burns, But yes, Jane Byrne was. Yeah, I never real. Yeah, you're right. So um the the one who's never held elective office is also the younger one. She's 56 years old. Just want to let you know. Lori Lightfoot, she would also she would not only be the first black woman to be mayor of Chicago, she would be the first openly gay uh person to hold uh, that office. And she is a former federal prosecutor. So there's Lori Lightfoot is either going to be the mayor of Chicago or Tony Preckwinkle. I don't have anything against Tony Preckwinkle, but I hope it's not her because I find that name unpleasant. Preckwinkle? I'm 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 hoping for Lightfoot. I like that name. Mayor Lightfoot. I like that. Anyway, uh Preckwinkle is more of a you know established Chicago pal although she is considered uh progressive but she uh, has been immersed in in government forever and uh that is not the case with Lori Lightfoot who and and, and here's something interesting about this because Chicago is such a segregated city um but both of these women these black women uh were leading not just in black neighborhoods but in white uh White neighborhoods as well. Um, so that that's this is good. I you know I'll tell you, black people are going to save us if we get saved. Black, I'm thinking of Elijah Cummings yesterday. I'm thinking of uh, these women. I'm thinking of all the amazing. Uh, new women of color that we're learning about, Stacey Abrams, all these people that are out there and they're so, so good, so smart. So, oop, we're essentially done. I just have to get the, I don't know, I grew up on Winnie the Pooh, A.A. A. Milne, and um, Winnie the Pooh lived in the 100-acre uh, wood. Of c- You would know that anyway the hundred acre wood was based on an actual forest that AA Milne lived uh, near Ashdown Forest in East Sussex and I just wanted to say when I saw this headline it got me so upset Uh, the hundred acre wood was just in flames um, yesterday in in Sussex Uh, two different wildfires engulfed it and um, they're struggling right now in England with a bunch of wildfires because it was the warmest winter day uh, in, I think, their history. Uh, is that possible? Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. The warmest. Anyway, they say the Winnie the Pooh's house is on fire because of climate change. Damn it. I mean, I know we've got to understand all the consequences of it, but damn, Winnie the 100-acre P- wood? Oh, I can't bear it. Okay, that's it. Bye. i got to go tend to my hair.
0: Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lincoln Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.